Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, I'm Matt Jolly. This is Politics Without the Boring Bits. Coming up on today's episode, after I discovered that my local Tesco self-service checkout sounds quite a lot like Rishi Sunak, it got us thinking about political impressions. So I'm joined by, well, literally the best possible lineup of impressionists, John Colshaw, Rory Brenner and Deborah Stevenson, rating your impressions and giving us a guide to, you know, how to do a Rishi Sunak, a Keir Starmer, a Angela Rayner. Does anybody need a Bridget Phillipson? We'll do that in our big thing. Before that, the columnists, India Knight and James Marriott on protesting outside MPs' homes and our fake flowers, NAF. And, of course, we'll take a look at what we learned this week. And if you like what you hear on the podcast, you can join me for Politics Like the Boy Bits live on Times Radio, on your DAB radio, on your smart speaker, or download the Times Radio app. That's Politics Without the Boring Bits, weekdays from 10. Now, every Friday on the podcast, I like to take a look at what we learned this week. But now we've got the WhatsApps. I thought we'd take a look at what we learned this week from you on the WhatsApps. We learned that Times Radio listeners are the most Times Radio people, like Elizabeth Ann. Hiya, Matt. I'm just currently bleaching the tea stains out of my cups. And Amanda. I am eating an Activia yoghurt with prunes and chia seeds and then i'm going to plant my petunias and ian i thought i'd tell you that i'm feeding my cavapoos toasted blueberries they love it and we learned that four-year-old fan of the show called delia is still listening i like your show yeah, we learned that Perry did not become a pilot. I was sick in every aircraft I ever flew in. Not something I'm sure everyone else has achieved. Not much testing for this when I applied to become a pilot. They basically got me to stand on one leg at Biggin Hill, uh, and that was that for motion sickness. So there it is. Uh, as you may have guessed, I didn't graduate as a pilot. We learned what questions you'd like to ask at PMQs. Mr Sunak, what do you think your legacy will be? Is three Weetabix acceptable in the morning, or do we just stick to two? Hello, Mr Prime Minister, Rishi Shunat. How would you respond to the question, how does it feel to be out of your depth in the shallow end? Mr Speaker, does the Prime Minister agree 
that cheese and onion is the best flavour of crisp. And we learned that David in Belper has got too much time on his hands. And if you want to WhatsApp me, the number is 033 Put Matt or Politics Like the Boy Mits in the message so we can find it amongst all the others. That's 033 0032353. Now, this. The Columnists with Night at the Marriott. India Knight and James Marriott. I was hunched on my bedroom floor with my laptop frantically battering away at my column. And here they are. Hello, India Knights. Hello, good morning. And hello, James Marriott. Good morning. We got both dressed the same today. So I black. extremely fashionably. Extremely fashionably. Black trousers, black shirt. Never goes out of style. No. The whole office will be dressed like this. We could next be week. we could be waiters in a gastro pub. We could, we be, could be we could be running a gastro pub together. Hair, and I think if we left the office, that <laughs> is what people would assume about us. <laughs> and I'm not sure it would be a very successful or particularly well run gastro pub. If we went to a gastro pub now, someone would ask us to see a menu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. Well, I'm glad we sorted that out. Uh, good. Uh, let's talk about uh, this extraordinary story at the front of the Times today. This investigation into. Um, Door-to-door, people are going door-to-door raising money for charity. In particular, the fundraising regulator has launched an investigation after it found that uh, people raising money for the Great Ormond Street Hospital charity uh, were using, uh, well, they were taught pressure-selling techniques. Uh, So, an undercover Times reporter was trained by IBA Global, and then a third part, uh, which is a third-party marketing firm, uh, tries to persuade people to sign up for repeat donations when they go around knocking on doors. Here's an example of what they found. I don't think I can commit. I can just give one off. Well, thank um, you so sorry. much for wanting to help. Yeah. A few people said they want to give a one-off, like 100, 150 pounds, stuff oh, no, like that, I can't which do is that. good. So sorry, sorry. We're not looking for four, five, or ten years. Mm. We'd appreciate if you could try and help us out for just one year. So ten pound a month, just for one year, please. Can you try to help us with that? Uh, what did you make of this, Indy? Did you get a lot of this where you are? No, I don't. I think it's really shocking. Mm. I think it's absolutely appalling to seek to man- manipulate people in this way, people who are kind enough to be willing to make any kind of donation in the first place. I think it's particularly appalling that the charity in question is Great Ormond Street, which um, is not short of money. You know, people. I've been... Uh, my My daughter had a, uh, a relationship, a medical relationship with Great Ormond Street until she was 18. And um, I've been to lots of kind of fundraisers and things for Great Ormond Street. Great Ormond Street is not short of money, but generally the principal, whether it's Great Ormond Street or somebody else, is really appalling, really appalling. Not very many people give to charity. The ones that do ought to be garlanded with flowers, not pressured into upping their donations to a point where they can't afford however much money they're being asked for. It's really awful. Uh, One senior fundraiser admitted to creating the impression that he was deaf to get householders to answer the door, calling it very cheeky and said he could make himself cry, James. I mean, this this is beyond sort of... uh, you know, would you mind giving money to check? This is this is properly cynical, uh, exploited, and uh, all of the data shows it's people with the least amount of money who give the most mm. as a proportion. Yeah, um, it's really it's really grotesque, and it's kind of it's a kind of uncomfortable reminder because you want to think that charities do good in the world, and therefore, kind of everything they do is good and ethical. But that's clearly kind of in this instance almost the opposite of the case. 
I mean, I think it's a great investigation because I think there are a lot of people who just would always give a charity the benefit of the doubt if they were treated like this. It would feel like, oh, well, the problem must be me. I mustn't be, you know, doing enough if they're if they're really pressuring me into it. And I think this is probably, I don't know, hopefully for at least some some people, a bit of a kind of you know reassuring and clarifying report. It's kind of you're not you're not bad for not wanting to be pressured yeah, into yeah, giving yeah. like loads of money every single month. I mean, the, the thing that we, you know, we should stress is that this is an independent company, a third-party company, IBA Global, uh, where the people that they hire are paid on commission. So obviously, if you're, you know, if you're the one who's doing that as a job, you're under so much, but, you know, literally how much money you earn depends on how yeah. many old ladies you and can the, And the fact the is this kind of independent company kind of makes you think that whatever ethics should be at the heart of a charity have mm. maybe kind of mm. got a bit lost and that hasn't been transferred to this you know, the company that's done the training, which is, yeah, I mean, not, not an unusual case, I guess, with those things. Uh, one, in one case, a, a struggling fundraiser admitted signing up someone uh, who'd been smoking cannabis in a breach of the rules. Um, and in response to the findings, IBA Global said it operated a strict policy of reasonable persuasion only on doorsteps and said the instances highlighted by the Times have been taken out of context, which I'm not, not quite sure what the context is. I mean, the context is this is what they said. Yeah, I don't know what context being pretending to be deaf to squeeze men out of people is really acceptable. Uh, and I, I, but the point that you were making, um, India, is this is a massive charity with loads of money. Ultimately, it's a, you know, it's a hospital. Yeah, it's a really, really well-funded, prosperous hospital, unless things have changed since the last time I looked, which I don't think they have. Mm. Um, I, I just think it's so rapacious and awful. As you say, it's the poorest people who donate the, m- the most money. And I feel that that's really, really central and should be borne in mind. Mm. You know, the idea that you can apply these kind of hard-sell techniques, which are horrible in any context, to people who are kind and who are being kind and who are doing an altruistic thing is really revolting. And also, I know it's just this training company, but presumably this training company wouldn't exist if it wasn't employed, you know, if its techniques weren't um, weren't, weren't used more broadly. So, no, horrible. Well, uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty more, uh, plenty more comment on that uh, today. Uh, let's turn our attention to uh, the question of should demonstrations outside MPs' offices, Parliament, even council chambers be banned, as suggested by Lord Walney in the Times today. Lord Walney, of course, John Woodcock, uh, former Labour MP, he's now the government advisor on political violence and disruption. Uh, he says the intimidation of MPs over their position on the Israel-Gaza conflict must stop. Uh, he's written for the Times today, and he was on Times Radio Breakfast. When these areas are being targeted, not simply by people making their point, but the kind of angry, aggressive protest demonstrations that are designed not actually to further debate, but to intimidate people with an implied sense of threat into to intimidate parliamentarians into doing their bidding and backing down... That, for me, is unacceptable. We're, we're on the wrong side of the line and we're actually risking corroding our liberal democracy rather than rather than actually protecting it. James, what do you think about this? Because we don't want uh, MPs to be going about making their decisions on the basis of fearing for their own safety. But the ability to protest outside Parliament or a council building is quite a central part of being a democracy, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I have to say, I'm always very kind of nervous about these proposals to restrict things like the right to protest. I just think that's too important. And when you start, you know, chipping away at stuff like that, I just think that's a road you don't particularly want to go down, especially protests outside Parliament, which that is just every country, the democracy in the world, you should be, you know, 
allowed to have protests outside outside the centre of that democracy. I think the timing also should make us a bit, you know, suspicious of it because I think it's often these, you know, these new rules that are introduced in the aftermath of what feels like a kind of horrible crisis and people perhaps, you know, aren't are thinking a bit more emotionally than they should are the things that you often, you know, end, end, end up regretting. Yeah, you shouldn't pass a law... You know, a, in a, a kind of mood of sort yeah, of hysteria yeah, yeah, and anxiety. Yeah. Although I obviously completely get you know the concerns about MPs' safety. And obviously, what we, one of the things we did see this week, India, was this projection on uh, on the, the the Tower of Big Ben, where from the river to the sea was projected onto Parliament. Uh, and uh, some Conservative MPs accusing the police of allowing uh, that to happen and allowing the, th- the the threats to be made against them uh, against MPs. It's hard, is it hard to draw the line on this, India? No, I think it's really simple. Generally, I think protest outside public buildings like council chambers or parliament are absolutely fine and are what should be happening. I think protests outside individuals' homes are completely out of order and outside constituency offices, because constituency offices sounds like it's a kind of, you know, hive of activity and there's millions of people milling about. Often a constituency office has one person in it, often a woman, who's just slogging on doing the casework, i.e. the stuff that actually helps constituents. So I don't think those people should be intimidated either and i think the idea i think you know the thing about abuse and intimidation one of the reasons i feel really really sorry for young people who have never known the world without the internet is that they don't have any experience of a life without abuse online abuse you know it's become completely normalized it's it's become quote part of life and even if you're a very young person even if you're like 11 or 12 or 13 you're expected to be able to cope with it and that idea has become normalised and it's not normal. People should not go about their daily life at school or at work or in the commons or wherever thinking that abuse is 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 just a thing that happens and it's normal and it's fine. It's really, really not fine. So I think separating out people's private... You know, I mean, it's just two, two MPs have been murdered in the mm. last 10 years. People have partners, children, stuff going on. And I think standing outside their house, even silently, is obviously intended to intimidate. Obviously, otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, time and a place. But also, I suppose, MPs and peers in this case need to be very careful not to look like they're using that to... Yes. Crack down on legitimate uh Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's turn our attention to something uh, slightly more serious. Uh, India, what have you got against fa- uh, fake flowers? <laughs> I wrote about <laughs> fake flowers on my Substack because because there was a piece in the FT, the kind of, you know, glamorous elitist FT, last weekend saying that fake flowers were okay, that they weren't naff, that they weren't horrible that they were in Kensington Palace and in Dior and Chanel in Paris and that, you know, they'd sort of come into their own. And I have a kind of grave difficulty with them because although I get that they've become very, very good and very, very realistic, they're still not real. And I think the idea and and the whole point of flowers is that they're alive, you know. Uh, So the idea of having something inert and basically dead made of plastic and silk in your house to replace fake flowers is really... I kind of can't get past, I sort of, it would be really practical, like in dusty spare rooms, but 
I can't get past their their fakeness. <laughs> so I wrote a thing about it, and lots of people had views. I bet they did. I, I'm with you. I just can't because I think because it's also it's the association with sort of like you said, your nan's spare room or mm. um, sort of naff public toilets. Uh, they don't look like that anymore. In yeah, I know they have got better, but you just can't. I'm so tempted. If you talk about going into a restaurant, maybe we should be doing this in our gastro pub, James. But if you go in and there's like some flowers or a plant on the table, the first thing I do is see if it's real. Yeah, and if yeah. it's all pl- plastic cactus, you just yeah. like that's a bit depressing. Yeah. Our gastro pub would never do that. No, we won't be doing that. We won't be doing that. Where do you stand? The other thing that I think that I just can't cope with fake flowers in churchyards. Yeah, it's oh, it just no. a bit. Dep- you know, beautiful live things made of plastic is just a bit depressing, isn't it? And in graveyards, they're always um, they're always kind of colours you don't see in nature. You know, they're always like <laughs> blue, bright blue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they sort of fade and get sort of like mildewy. They and... get bleached, yeah, and they go a bit green. And there's yeah. also the sort of the subconscious part of me thinking, well, you've done it so you don't have to come back as often. Yeah, Do you know what I mean, you, the reason some you... bulbs, bulbs, and then they come exactly, back every bulbs, year. Exactly, bulbs, lovely. bulbs, more bulbs, fewer flowers, fake flowers. Flowers, very good. Harry's just been in touch. So my partner almost joined one of these third-party fundraising companies after leaving university. She had a trial for one day and absolutely hated the atmosphere. They were taught psychological tricks to pressure people in supermarkets and on streets to sign up for direct debits for charities. And they had a gong that they rung at the end of every day like in Wolf of Wall Street. As you moved up the company ladder, you earned a portion of your team's commission, which meant lower down the ladder team members were doubly pressured by their team leaders looking to increase their own share of their commission. They prey on vulnerable people who A, need work, and B, wish to donate to charity. Uh, so, uh, thank you for that, uh, uh, Harry. Uh, lots of people getting in touch, and there are blue flowers in nature. So, apologies for that, because I suggested otherwise. Uh, I think the point is that sometimes fake flowers... The, uh, there are blue flowers in nature, but not like luridly, violently blue flowers that hurt your Because you sometimes eyes. see that real flowers have been spray-painted in... Yes, in the, the ones you get in supermarkets, yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's move on from that. James, you've been writing about the North. Uh, you, you've, uh, you wrote this week, Why the South ju- now just ignores the law- North after this clip resurfaced of the actress and vice president of RADA, Cynthia Erivo. Some cities are wonderful. Yeah. Other cities are not so wonderful. Mm. Um, so you go to, like, Manchester, and it's incredible because it's, like, it feels like, like London, really and truly. You go to Liverpool, there's, like, a feeling about every, everybody talks like that. So the accents are different. So you're listening to everyone and you're like, what, what's that? What's that sound you're making? It's different. Um, and then you go to Sunderland and you're like, where the f- am I? I don't know where I am. This is not where I live. God, people are awful, aren't they, James? Yeah, I mean, I, although I don't sound like it, I am a northerner. Um, and yeah, this is completely infuriating. Even though I'm from Newcastle and we have a traditional rivalry with Sunderland, so I should feel happy to hear Sunderland being dissed. Yeah, I was just, I just can't really think of any other kind of, you know, where else would be acceptable to talk about people like that. I just, and people just laugh along with it and it's fine to, you know, call a place that's actually very poor and, you know, in many parts and disadvantaged and just laugh at it. I don't get it at all. Um, and the point that you were making is that the only, a certain type of Southerner or Londoner saying things, oh, Manchester's nice because it's, it's quite a lot like London. As if, like, oh my it's God, don't even get me started. <laughs> So annoying. Uh, well, let's now speak to a real-life uh, Liverpudlian uh, who, who, unlike James, hasn't sought to assimilate by uh, adopting a posho <laughs> accent. Uh, the poet Roger McGough. Hi, Roger. 
Hello, Matt. How are you doing? Do you, are very good, are very good. Do you feel like the South has forgotten the North? Uh, well, it's, it's strange. It's funny enough, uh, Matt, I've just come back from, uh, uh, last night, a gig in um, Faversham. Faversham Festival. Oh, the, 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 the Literary Festival. I'm yeah. there tonight. I know you are. Well, were they nice? I was there last night. Listen, you're in for a treat. It was great. Good. Uh, really good. Really great time. So I was in Faversham last night. And um, after the show, really good. Big, huge audience. Matt, you know, huge big. Anyway, doing the book signing. And so you, people come up and they, you know, say hello, hello, hello. Now, somebody would say, oh, hello, Roger. You, you don't remember me, do you? Well, you? You signed my book when I was at um, school in Manchester. You remember the uh, so-and-so school? I go, no, I don't remember. That was in, uh, you know, 19... 19- 76 <laughs> and and yeah but everybody came up and most you know people were from liverpool people from manchester people from you know southampton people from fabian most people all over the country that's the point we're getting yeah this time last week this time last week i was in beverly uh, in east yorkshire a lovely little town in beverly same thing beverly festival after the show people come and say Hello, Roger. You know, do you remember me from Liverpool? I was there in 1990. Yeah, oh, good, very good. Lovely people signing books. People from, they're all people from, I see you're local. You're in Beverly? No, we're from London. No, no, we moved. They there. moved. Interesting. They moved. And this is what happened. This wasn't the same when I started off doing book signings many, many years ago, you know. Things have changed. I mean, I'm here at the moment, just arrived at Penguin and got this book coming out. Uh, in June, my collected poems, 1959 to 2024. And the difference between when I was 20, just leaving university, when I was in 1959, and now is, is, is amazingly different. Things have just moved on and changed. You know, so it's not just, uh, in, you know, scousers and wacky, wacky <laughs> scousers. And but the wacky something, scousers are all over. There is something yeah. in India. James made this point in his column, that there was a time when sort of, you know... Uh, Maybe it's just nostalgia, but the sort of Manchester thing, like it was cool to be Northern in a way that uh, yeah, it doesn't feel quite the same, you know, whether it's to do with music yeah, also, or TV or arts. Yeah. Well, I would go back, when I was 1959, I was coming out of university, came straight from university. I, w- I went to university, working class, as you know, working class lads, girls, go to university, you'd have to pay for it. We got a free education. You come back to Liverpool at the time when it was all kicking off, you know, yeah. we had the, me and the Beatles, and the, the world was looking at. Liverpool, as Ginsburg said, centre of the universe. And then, of course, while this was happening in, in the 60s, of course, in here and in Carnaby Street and everywhere, it was going on in Sheffield and Birmingham and, and, and Newcastle. There was a, you know, a, a, a flowering of music and, and, and art. Uh, at the same time, the, the pits started to close. The docks were closing. You know, behind the sort of all the, the balloons going off and the, and the music, uh, yeah. things were closing down. Things were changing. And then there was the 70s and then it was, you know, um, well, we know what happened then. And yeah. things have just changed. What do you think, India? Um, I think that um, it's only people who live in London who think that London is cool. When you move <laughs> out of London, you realise that that is not at all a universally um, accepted view and that quite a lot of people feel slightly sorry for people who live in London. I, I still <laughs> think the North is cool. I mm. I admire the North hugely, and I think it's much more inspiring, and I think there are far more interesting things going on. I think London has become very kind of sleek and complacent and overly glossy India, and pleased with itself. I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I you know, lived half my life in, in Liverpool until I was 40. I was staying in Liverpool. Now I'm 40 years in, in London. But I'm a, I'm a Liverpool. You know, you live in Liverpool. and never could be a, a Londoner you know, at all. And... Uh, 
Yeah, you're right. I think things are. If you go, people go to London to where the money is. They think, you know, yeah, go to where the money is. Well, that, that actually was one of the things, James. When I was reading your column, I was thinking about mm-hmm. one, uh, one day. The, uh, the the this new series on Netflix. And that's basically a whole story about people from different parts of the country feeling they had to move to London. That was the only way they were going to get on. And yeah, and there's a cultural centre of gravity in a way that you know. I think if you wanted to get into the music industry, you could have gone to Manchester mm. once upon a time. And I just don't think that exists anymore, which is which is really sad. And it is weird because you know we're all more connected and all that. It's possible to work from play. You know, I suppose the BBC have moved to Salford and yeah, and uh, hopefully that catches on. It just does, it, yeah. yeah. So it does feel like that whole kind of northern music scene and all that kind of cultural stuff just doesn't have the same national resonance as it used to. Yeah. Indian Art and James Barrett, there you can read them in the Times and the Sunday Times every week. Just get yourself a subscription at thetimes.co.uk. Up next, how to make a good political impression. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Big Thing. Payment accepted. Thanks for shopping at Tesco. So, that is the sound of Rishi Sunak on my local Tesco's self-service checkout. I, uh, I I've thought it for a while. I thought it a few weeks ago, and every time I went in, I kept forgetting to record it. And this week, I finally got around to doing it. So, here it is again. It's clearly Rishi Sunak is the voice of the self-service checkout. Payments accepted. Thanks for shopping at Tesco. It is definitely him. And there's another bit. Assistance is coming. Please continue. It's definitely him. Uh, which got us thinking, why is it that I think the uh, the voice of the checkout sounds like uh, Rishi Sunak? And how, uh, if the checkout is doing an impression of the Prime Minister, how do you do political impressions? So today we are going to make a good political impression with some political impressionists. Joining me in the studio, John Coleshaw's here. John, how are you? Hello there, Matt. That really is Rishi on the Tesco thing. It, it really, really is. sounds like it, doesn't it? And once, you, once you hear it, you can't, you can't not. And obviously, John, uh, you'll know from uh, Dead Ringers, and he was Boris Johnson in the Channel 4 uh, docuseries Party Gate. Uh, and uh, on the line, we've got Deborah Stevenson. And Deborah, you've done, well, you were on the, the most, I think we last spoke to you around the newest spitting image, but you've done Dead Ringers, and you're currently in a play called Party Games. Hi, Deborah. 
Hi. Hey, See you. Hello, the lovely. Ah, there you there are. There we are. Hello, we can there. see you on yes, the Zooms. Hello, hello, We can hello. see you on the Zooms. And we've got Rory Bremner, who you'll know from Bremner, Burner Fortune, Mock the Week, and the Imitation Game, and much else. But hi, hi, Rory. Hello, Matt. Hi, everyone. Hello, Rory. Hi. What I don't know what the collective the noun for, a, for an impressionist is. A rip-off. A rip-off. <laughs> a rip-off <laughs> of impressionists. <laughs> that'll do. That'll do. Now, um... Uh, copy. How, John, um, why do I think that sounds like Rishi Sunak? I think, you know, the Tombra is right there, you know, unexpected item in the bagging area. I don't <laughs> think that's me. It sort of sounds like that way when he's doing his wacky content for people because this is how you communicate now. You know, payment accepted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that tone, isn't it? It's that style. <laughs> um, uh, uh, and you, you're... Um, we spoke to this about, about it before. Your Rishi Sunak, you sort of start off sort of with Tony Blair. Yes, you do. You know, you have the staccato, you know, sharper edges of Tony Blair. There they are. And then let the ice sculpture just melt a little bit. So it's a bit more syrupy, a little bit more doing that. Drop the T's, drop the H's, drop the letter G, that kind of thing. And then it's sort of there. And look, you know, the plan is working. Let's stick with it. Very good. Right now. And ever so slightly camp as well. Uh, yes. <laughs> it is a bit camp. Yes, there's that chirpiness in there, that swirl, that up and down. You're twisting into Dale Winton now. Um, uh, yes, now that would be a lovely thing, wouldn't it? The plan is working, darling. Let's stick with it. <laughs> the plan is working does sound like a terrible game show. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Come on down, the plan is working. It's um, weird, isn't it? Because do you remember when we did John Major, John? And um, <laughs> just that, that John Major was the, the sort of train spotter voice, but then with a bit of Julian Clary thrown in. So you had that, oh, yes, I know the times of all the trains. And then you softened it a little bit, and it became Tony Blair. So I don't know why it became John Major. I don't know why the Tory thing is to go hard and then go camp. <laughs> And I think it was all this Dallas who pointed out that, you know, you go back to the John Major voice and make it a bit tougher, he goes into Michael Caine. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's amazing. But right, so, I want to start like, at the very beginning. How do you get into this? How do you uh, become a professional impressionist? Deborah, how did you, were you... Was it the sort of classic class clown you were doing impressions of teachers? Or were you into... Were you acting first? How did you get into it? I started, the very, very first impression I ever did was Margaret Thatcher. And I used to say, <clears throat> when I become prime minister. But I was only six. Wow. So, uh, yeah. so, I, so I sounded like, when I become prime minister. <laughs> Sorry, that was... Us, more, wasn't it? more Bart Simpson than, uh, than Margaret Thatcher. What about you, Rory? When, how did you get into it? Oh, it was school, I think. It was that. And I was, I was sports commentators and living in Scotland, so it was Bill McLaren doing all the rugby stuff and Robertson to Rutherford, Rutherford to Rennick, to someone else with an R at the beginning of their name that I can rule. So it was all that and Richie Benno and the cricket commentators, and that's how it started. And then the Cabaret Circuit in London. The time when Spitting Image and stuff was starting out. And um, actually, the first time I met John, we were both commentating at a cricket match. And um, John was doing, uh, oh, he was doing, oh, he's, he's, he's Russell Crowe and he's Stuart Hall. You don't do Stuart Hall now. Um, but it was wonderful. Um, and I think, I think impressionists are fans. And we both grew up loving Mike Yarwood. Um, mm. So some of our impressions was, oh, David Attenborough was probably, and our, our Robert Day was modelled on uh, Mike Yarwood. Um, and you're, you start out as fans, and then you start, you sort of graduate to the political impressions, because if you're doing impressions, it's nice to do people on authority and people who matter, so there's that element to it. John? 
Yes, exactly that. Exactly that. We, we all grew up with Mike Yarwood. You know, yeah. he was he was the governor. Um, and things that you're a fan of and things that you're inspired by uh, or things that you just want to have a little go at because they irritate you, then... You Doctor know, Who, in your case. Oh, yes, exactly. Well, no, that was, that was a great, great laugh. Yes. <laughs> that was a great, great laugh. You know, Tom Baker really makes that impact, doesn't he? Yes, and John Pertwee with that wonderful resonance. Yeah. And that kind of, uh, I think it might be diplophonic, I don't know. But there we are, reverse the polarity. <laughs> <laughs> These are so good. These are so good. Now, I want to talk about some of the current crop there, because you've done your job major, you know, you've reached back to your job majors and your Tony Blair's. Um, <clears throat> somebody messaged in, Bill said, the current crop apologies are so bland that I can't recognise them when they were speaking for themselves. Uh, who will your guests miss from the current lot if they lose their seats in the next election? But it's an interesting question, that. that, it, that you know, there's not a lot between your Rishi Sunak and your Keir Starmer, is there? Just a, just a minute. I have to cut in here. Because we haven't just got bland, old, grey-haired <laughs> men anymore. We've got people like me, Angela Rayner, the red-headed raver. Don't forget <laughs> that's, that's very good. I thought she was on the, on the line then, Deborah. Well, actually, I, I think... Talking about um, voice relations, that kind of started off as an impression of John's John Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> right, so hang on, hang on. So John, do you do your John Bishop, and then we'll see if we can get from that to Angela Rayner. Yes, we'll sort of like cross a couple of borderlines, you know, from uh, Liverpool to Manchester, yeah. and see. So yeah, John Bishop would be a little bit like that, and there's that sense of rhythm and attack, and if you speed it up and like you know bring a bit of Liam Gallagher in, that I'll hand the baton over to Zeb. You know what I mean? That's, I'm the third member of Oasis, but you know, if you bring it over to sort of Warrington here, you're gonna end up like this and a little bit angry. <laughs> there are there are um slightly we do are we going into a period, Deborah, where there being slightly more women around in politics for you to get your teeth into having been quite male for I suppose there was Theresa May. Did you bother learning Liz Truss? Uh, well, I mean, my 44 days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Too long to learn it that she was in Downing Street. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but um, when it comes to ex-prime ministers, I think, you know, there is always, we're always there, hanging around these days like a bad smell. Not as bad. Tony <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely still hanging around. Uh, what about what about Keir Starmer? Do either of you do Keir Starmer, John? Yes, he is uh, on Dead Ringers. Duncan Wisby does him, and uh, it, oh, he's brilliant, the, Duncan. <laughs> and the contrast between Duncan's um, Keir Starmer and Angela Rayner is very funny. You know, you know there is you know Keir. You know, if it comes through, we will support it. And we will vote for it. And um, that kind, that rather turgid flavour yeah, yeah, yeah. of the, the geography supply teacher yeah. can't keep order of the classroom. What about you, Rory? Well, Are you working well, on? Well, actually, it? it's funny talking about that because Keir Starmer, uh, Matt Ford, um, he's another. He does a good Keir Starmer. He says the way to do Keir Starmer is you just say the word the Metropolitan Police, and that was his sort of like way into a character because quite often it's you know you find a sort of phrase. That particularly picks up on it, and that's that's always a working bit. people. Um, he was a big and, fan of uh, working they people. They did a spitting image live when they had, I think it's to, the, to infinity, but in a practical way, <laughs> it worked very well. <laughs> Ooh, <have I> been... <laughs> Went to the same. <clears throat> sorry, you cut off there. Sorry, Deborah. Deborah, your line is not absolutely brilliant. But go on. I'm so sorry. We've lost... I don't like to interrupt, but it's Rachel Reeves here, and uh, <laughs> I went to the. 
all of elocution as uh, Keir Starmer. That's why we both sound like zipping from rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> we had a few weeks ago uh, when we were doing PMQs, someone said that um, Keir Starmer sounded a bit like Zippy from Rainbow. I ended up doing Zippy. Tim Shipman did uh, George from Rainbow. And then we actually had Zippy in. I'll be honest with <laughs> I thought I sounded more like Zippy than Zippy did by the end. Is it possible to teach me how to do an impression? Yes, I am sure. Absolutely. Come on, then. Um, who should we try? Well, let's, let's start with somebody nice and distinctive. Uh, Lindsay Hoyle. Yes. So, you know, that's the Lancashire accent. It curls up at the end like that. <laughs> so put that curve C- in. Curve. That's right. You got curve. it straight off. Straight off the bat there. <laughs> curve. Straight. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Now, you know, I apologise. It didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. The fact of the matter is, he does that a lot, doesn't he? There's a lot of just words which aren't... Yes. Yeah. Put, and I believe he's from Chorley, Cor- so this is, is rather Chorley appropriate. MP for Chorley. Yeah. yeah, I know. I feel very dangerous probably doing impressions of people from Chorley. <laughs> I'll tell you what, let's listen to some of the other impressions that we've had sent in. Uh, so this is Elizabeth, who is in Switzerland. Uh, and she said, with all this speaker chat, everyone's talking about the common speaker. It reminded me of the summer when I was looking for a picnic table in Interlaken, the most times radio message we've had. Uh, we found the English garden. We finished our snack and got the shock of our lives when throwing away our rubbish. And the bin said this. Uh, order. <laughs> <laughs> order. So that actually is, that is actually just John Burko. Was he better, was he more fun to do, Rory, than, uh, than Lindsay Hoyle? Um, yeah, I mean, I love that Lindsay Harbour. Um, but yeah, uh, the, he, he was always very petulant, wasn't he, John John Burke? I mean, um, John will know that um, Lewis McLeod, did he do it on Dead Ringers? Yes, and yes. And it was all that, odd, 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 He got more and more angry and stuff. But, so it's a good voice for a bin, um, a bin, <laughs> bin collection. <laughs> Quite what the logic um, is of a bin saying order when you put some rubbish in it. But I think you should, Jonathan Ross would be close to your area because, you know, you've got that whole thing as to why they you say the letter R. Yeah, you basically say, I can't pronounce my arms properly, will we? No, we? what I'm saying, <laughs> we're, we're, we're making it a home fixture. We're making it, we're not going away. Turn we're it. making it a home fixture. It's on your, it's on your territory. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Warwick. Uh, th- now, this is, this is a properly niche one uh, that Eddie sent in. Hello, Matt. It's Mark Drakeford here. Um, can, you, can you get me some carefully cheese? Now, I suppose it has That's inv- very good, because it's going at 20 miles an hour, then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you think of that one, Deborah? Yes, probably um, going to be told off, I would imagine, for that one. Um, have to be a bit careful not to kind of show any cult- kind of cultural appropriation there, I think. <laughs> um, <but stop>. <laughs> <laughs> I think we stay off, we stay off carefully, we stay off leeks, and we stay off daffodils, and um, we talk about the the real issues in Wales. Um, yeah, <laughs> That'd be I mean, good. I, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm definitely no expert in uh, in that one. I think you need to turn to the boys for that. And more kind of, if anyone comes up and they want to do an Anne Widdicombe, I can. I can probably help with that. Uh, I think uh, John's been known to do that. I think it's, it's one that you can do uh, by, by modulating your voice uh, rather well. <laughs> so you do that as well, John. We well, have a Widdicombe off. I think I was doing Sissy and Ed and Les Dawson style when I was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's I do love that Mark Drakeford, though. The wonderful thing about Mark Drakeford is the sense of pluck, you know, that sense of... Uh, and the, the wonderfulness of the Welsh accent is that every syllable is is used, is maximised. That's the beauty of it, yeah. Well, it does also have the advantage... Alex Jones, and then you just come like that. So here's just... 
<laughs> it does have the advantage for me that exactly most same, people, you know? most people don't know what Mark Drakeford really sounds like. So as long as it's a sort of passable Welsh accent, you're probably all right. That's true. I mean, but that's the case with a lot of the cabinet because if you, Jeremy Hunt, I don't think Jeremy Hunt's wife knows what he sounds like. I mean, <laughs> I mean and we, it's you know, it's shallow pickings. I was so glad that David Cameron came back. I've got to think it's nice to have a little bit of diversity. You know, you've got a prime minister of East African heritage. We've got a business secretary from Nigeria. We've got we've got a mixed race um, home secretary uh, because you know his uh, mother's from Sierra Leone. So I think it's good to have some diversity and to come back because a lot of people. You know, they're starting out at Eton and they need something to aim at. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay let's turn our attention to some more. Uh, this one is probably a back up your, your street, Deborah. This is an uh, impression from Chris. You turn if you want to. The lady's not for turning. <laughs> and then, Ooh, that's good, isn't it? That sounds like Steve Nallum. Yeah, it's up there. Yeah, it's very good. One, really it? good, that one. Absolutely. And then this is Sally. Advisors are there to advise. Ministers Ooh. are there to decide. That, that both Ooh, good. We're they? terrified. Yeah, we're you, terrified. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do yeah, you have much? A little, a little. The lady is not to be impersonated. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. That, so, who do we think was the best out of those two, Chris and Sally? Oh my goodness! Oh, they were both really good, weren't they? Yeah, really I think in the male category, Chris was very good, and in the <laughs> yeah. female category, um, <laughs> yeah, right. prizes for all, prizes for all. The beauty of them both is they were really quite different, but yeah. they were both both recognisable. Well, that's yeah, the fascinating yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. So well, let's jump now. This is um, I think we've got now one from Anthony. Can we hear Anthony's impression? Uh, good morning, uh, Matt. Um, uh, I listen to your brilliant, brilliant show, and your uh, uh, esteemed colleagues were all the time uh from my my while well, i do my plow uh plowshare uh got to go uh cheerio blah, 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 blah. <laughs> i see what you're doing there <laughs> it's not bad that yeah, it's I, a slight impression of an impression isn't it yes I, I i thought it had all of you know the certain rambunctiousness and if yeah, 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 they were there as well in great operation See, I, 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 would, I, I think that's how I wished I sounded. Yeah. You know, then there'd be a bit more order if I, if I, if I did. Ah. Uh, let's move on. We've got another one. This is, is Michael Evans sent in this one. Good morning, Matthew. Former leader of the Conservative Party and Times Radio star attraction, mm -hmm. William Hague here. <laughs> People ask me about impressions and I tell them I've been doing an impression of myself for the past 25 years. Anyway, I'm off for boiled eggs with Fion now. I'll be on my usual breakfast slot next week. So I'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs> That's what he made. They're referring to. He appears on Times Radio on a Tuesday. So we'll gloss over that. And then Anne McManus sent this in. It's from her husband, but we don't know what the husband's called. But this is what Anne sent in. I'm surprised to see so many Liberal Democrats gathered together without there being a by-election in the offing. I had looked around the chamber and wondered whether one of us might not be very well. Also quite good. Yeah, that, that's a, a, a gentle William Hague. I, I think it's true that as, as voices go on and with the passage of time, uh, some voices do mature <laughs> like a fine old whiskey. And I think that's happened with, with William Hague very beautifully. I think, Matt, we, we, we had William Hague on the imitation game and uh, we had me and John and William Hague in a, a Hague off and William Hague came first. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. We, 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 what a wonderful sort of version of the Bee Gees we made. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's sort of weird. How <laughs> deep? How deep is your love? We have to record this now, Rory. Yeah, we have to do it. It's a Christmas number one. It's a Christmas number one in the making. Can you please, can we'll you do a version of staying alive, John uh, uh, Rory? Uh, 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 staying alive. We can alive. do a version of West Life and call it Past Life. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because, in a way, your impressions of him sound more like William Hague than William Hague does. He's so familiar that you're able to dial it up more because we know mm. exactly what you're doing yes I, I guess we pick out the bits that are recognizable and exaggerate them uh, like a caricaturist would do so visually yeah. and we do it in the audio style and just take those things which are familiar and then extrapolate them to the nth degree in fact, i once heard david cameron doing a very good william hay i can't remember it was in cornwall he was doing an event in cornwall and someone uh, did a William Hague impression, talking about being in Europe but not won by Europe. And he got up and said, well, first of all, my William Hague impression is much better than yours. And uh, it completely destroyed this guy who otherwise thought he'd come up with a very clever question. Right, let's move on. We've got, uh, this is another one from Mike. I have nothing to offer you about blood, sweat, toil and tears. And if the British Empire should last a thousand years. Men will say this was their finest hour. Is that Kemi Badenoch? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good Churchill. It's a very you? good. There's not much use yeah. to that these days. But um, uh, the other thing that... <laughs> I would just really love the fact that people across the country are sitting in their kitchens with their phones, like, doing their... giving us their Winston... It's amazing, this one. Mm. Boris Johnson thought that was him, though. You know, he thought he was hearing himself, right? <laughs> that is very much the case. Uh, uh, I love the fact that we're reaching back to Churchill and Maggie. It's like impressionists always get after Frank Spencer is still, you know, and they think that was 20 or 30 years ago. So Frank Spencer and Mavis from Combination Street. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Temper, give us a Mavis. Well, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> I only know God, what Les Dennis sounded like. Yeah, exactly. No oh. one can remember. Oh, no, we, we're not even sure if Mavis existed. We just know that Les Dennis. Deborah's brilliant with the Coronation Street. I was doing. I did that play, you know, quiz, which was based on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Oh, I had to be Chris Tarrant. I get this stuff from Chris Tarrant every week. Saying, You're absolutely nothing <laughs> like. Who are you being? I no one. And I needed the Hilda. I needed Hilda Ogden and. Deborah was just absolutely <coughs> brilliant. Oh. oh, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh. oh, it's so good, so good. We've got what we've got. So we've we've now we've had a clip of David Cameron doing William Hague. We all remember Ooh. those lyrical tones in a hall like this all those years ago. Some of you won't be here in thirty years' time. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. All he's right. gone Lancashire there. Yeah, it's hasn't he gone? Yeah, I don't think gone. he should give up his day job, although I, no. I, I, I wish he would, you know. Yes, it was play a sort it, of play a... Play it again, Matt. Yeah. Play it again. again. You hear it, you'll hear it's Lancashire rather than Yorkshire. Listen. All those years ago, some of you won't be here in 30 years' time. Yeah, he's gone Lindsay Hoyle, isn't he? <laughs> it's like a Rochdale Jeff won't be here Boycott. in 30 years' time. <laughs> well, Yorkshire, Yorkshire's a little bit wider. Uh... <laughs> Well, John fooled, John fooled Tony Blair with that, didn't you, John? Well, yes, it was never the, the intention, but yes, sir, when I just started, uh, you know, with the Hague voice, and I was working on the Steve Pink show, who did oh, the yeah. famous calls. Yeah. 
and uh, mm-hmm. we just we just happened to call through one Wednesday to uh, to Downing Street, and Prime Minister's Questions Day. Yeah. So it's it was not uh, been much on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not unusual for the leader of the opposition to call through to the Prime Minister. And you were so you were being William Hague, trying to get through, and you got through to Tony Blair. Yes, yeah. that's right. Uh, the switchboard uh, just sorted all as quite normal and put us through. Yeah, and yeah there was Blair. You know, ha 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 ha. I said hello, Tony. <laughs> Which William Hague never did. He always called him Prime Minister that in that away. lovely sardonic that. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very good. Well, we've got some more from beyond the grey. Oh, let's go. Uh, we've got some non-political ones. Anita has sent in this one. For people who behave that sort of way, it's the way they behave. Maggie Smith looking askance at the politics. Oh, Thank you. Very good. That is really, really <laughs> good. Can we have that Bravo. again? Can we have, let's have that For again. For people who behave that sort of way, it's the way they behave. Maggie Smith looking askance at the politics. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We That's knew that was Maggie super. Smith before the name was announced. Exactly. That's the first thing. And uh, when yeah. the voice puts the image in your mind's yeah. eye and you can see them, that's the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. You, well, you can see the, qua- the quaver was there because mm. she always seems to look as though she's sort of doing a, a pigeon impression herself. She's <laughs> 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 going out again in a rather outraged way. <laughs> so she hasn't just got the quaver, she's got the full packet of crisps. That was really, really. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we end in, in with with uh, well an item that no other radio station will be doing? Should we have a battle of the Neil Kinnocks? Uh, this <laughs> is <laughs> right back up to date. This is Chris. Lovely, 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 marvellous, <laughs> <bored for> me. <laughs> Thank you for that, Chris. And then this one was from <laughs> Phil. Why am I the only member in a long line of Kinnocks to take advantage of club card prices? <laughs> That's very good. Good material. Yeah, and it's good he smuggled in the name there so we so we knew who it was. Um uh who do you think was the best of those, Deborah? Oh, I couldn't possibly say. I mean they, they were good again in different ways, and that's what I always love about people's impressions. Yeah. You find different things, don't you, different people. Um I think the boys would, would be more of an authority on this. Go on then. <laughs> Neil Kinnock. Well, I think the f- the first one was the great pub impression version. Yeah. You know, lovely, lovely, lovely. Just you know, do the catchphrase and be done with it. <laughs> Basically, just Welsh again. It's like Mark Drakeford, <laughs> but but with more energy. It was lovely seeing. Uh, he had Neil two Ken- voices there, didn't he? Yes, yeah, that's right, had yes. two voices. He had he had his conference voices. People running around in taxis, delivering redundancy notices to their own workers. <laughs> there was that. And then there was his quiet Radio 4 Today program. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very long. And see. Yeah. Um, so, you know, politicians, they, they sometimes, you know, they have the loud conference voice and they have the quiet voice. Very good. Uh, God, that is completely correct. You've got this one here. <laughs> Where I turn on my charm to oh, make peace yes. with Russia. Yes. Her slower, se- the, the yeah. sexy voice. Here's one for you, Matt. Go on. What do you, what do you get when you cross Tony Blair with Chris Tarrant? <laughs> you get Ed Miliband. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my pledges. I'm never going to give you up. I'm never going to let you down. I'm never going to turn around and desert you. Very, 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 very good. Uh, God, we, oh, we've had so many, so, so many messages and uh, WhatsApps and people just saying... Uh, they, oh, they've heard David's just making weird noises in the office listening along to the show. People have enjoyed it so much. Who do you love doing? Let's have, let's have like your, your favourite impression. You like, they don't have to be political. Let's come, come around. Deborah, who do you want to give us first? 
Oh, oh, oh. Um, well, it's so hard, it is. It's hard, uh, but always tends to come down to Lorraine Kelly in the end. I don't know why, but I, you know it. So nice. So nice. You have a wonderful morning. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Oh, I don't know. I've always been enjoyed doing Billy Connolly. That was always great fun. <laughs> oh. Bill, Bill Clinton gave you the license to be just a, a little bit naughty. And now it's Donald Trump because everyone picks it up because it's got to be the best. <laughs> I don't think there's one better. I'm even in court. It's that good. You're uh, making impressions great again. <laughs> everybody could do that. Yes, I would say I, I'd probably does a Trump. Everybody, but not in not in that sort of way. That was, I loved the sense of Marilyn with your one. That was very beautiful. <laughs> Um, for I'm me, I think. So much again, it can turn into that, and then I've fallen in love with the president. Oh my God. <laughs> we should do this every week. We should. Honestly, you'd be very welcome. Let's do. Let's do it. Um, let's do it. <laughs> Somebody's asked, "Could you do it? Could either of you do it? Well, or any any of you do an impression of me?" Okay. Well, we would go back to the Jonathan Wasting again. This will be Matt Shirley on Times Radio. Thank you very much. Uh, wonderful show. I would have thought. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Roy. <laughs> well, no. I guess. Uh, you'll have to give me a little bit more time on that. I'll come and see your stand-up show, which I think is starting next month. It, isn't it? Oh, it's very kind of you uh-huh. to say so. Well, yeah, uh, Bristol next week. Let's find it. We thought we'd finish off um, with perhaps the silliest of all the impressions that we'd had sent in. This is from Kendall Lee. I'm not very good at impersonation, so I used to be able to impersonate Cliff Richard, but uh, that was a long time ago. I used to do that in the dinner queue for 50 pence a go, I think. But I can impersonate a humpback whale. That's the only thing I can do. And here it is. I hope that made you smile. And there it is. (laughs) And we won't translate what the whale was saying. Oh, terrific. Honestly, we can stay doing this all day. All day. Our cameras have now reached the very bottom of the ocean. (laughs) In hindsight, we should have tied them more securely. Oh gosh! Oh, what an absolute pleasure! Thank you so much. We should we'll do this again. We'll 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 get some more in. Oh, it's huge for listeners, and we'll have you on. It's a few uh, a few months ago. Rory and I, Rory and I, had a long car trip, and the whole conversation, the whole journey, was just like this, and it made the trip go so quickly. It flew by, flew by, yeah. lovely. John Colshaw, Deborah Stevenson, Rory Brother, thanks so much for joining us. We're really good to see you. And if you want to send your own impressions, or thoughts, or just moans on a voice note, you can WhatsApp me o triple three double o three two three five three. That's o triple three double o three two three five three. For now, for me, Matt Jolly, it's goodbye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.